Welcome back to the show. There's no telling where we'll go. So come and share a laugh on the Imp and Skiz podcast. Today's topic is leadership. We I saw some comments. People wanted to know what is our take on what a proper leader is. And I know that there was, it was kind of centric around management in, in general, right? Yeah. But it got me thinking that when I go back and I think about all the leaders I've had on, I think about the times I've been in a leadership position. Um, I've seen the people I've been able to influence. I've seen the response to when I was in charge. I've seen the response of others when somebody who was in charge, who should not have been, I've seen, you know, we've seen all yeah, of that sure, stuff. Yeah, plenty of those. Yeah, we got a lot of those stories, right? And so we're going to kind of get into that. And I, I kind of want to just just hit the ground running, but I want to give you a second to just, you tell me. Just you think leader, what do you think of? Well, I think of you. Shut up. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, you were you were one of my first leaders, you know, when I was in high school and you were the, the section leader and uh, going into something that required somebody to be a real leader and you exuberated leadership from the second I met you. So I, I knew going into this topic, I was like, this is going to be a weird one because you actually are one of the leaders that I will be thinking of in this podcast and be be commenting on. So, yeah, yeah I think of that. And, and like you said, I also think about the times where um, I've had a chance to be a, a leader in certain things and I never did view myself as a, a leader, but I found myself in that space um, sometimes unexpectedly. And I felt like I had to you know step up and and do it right. And pull from people that I had learned from, you know, that were great leaders. And then I've also been in situations where I've been led by not so good leaders. Yeah. And the whole time you, you, you're dancing that line between like, Oh, they're the leader. You need to respect them, but also they're very bad at what they're doing. And so how do you manage that? Yeah. So maybe we can get into to some tips around that because I'm sure we're probably not alone with, with uh, somebody being in a leadership position over you. That is not a born leader. Yeah. Oh, that, and there's plenty of examples of that um, throughout the world. And I'm, I imagine many people listening know what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and first thing I want to do is I kind of want to talk about the um, sort of, it's not a dichotomy, but there is a difference between leadership and management. And I, mm -hmm. and I think that that gets confused a lot. It's, it's not to imply that a manager can't be a leader or that a leader can't be a manager. It doesn't mean that stuff. But in terms of those two uh, I always go back to Marcus Buckingham and Marcus Buckingham was a motivational speaker who traveled the world and just got this incredible voice and incredible disposition. And he spent a good portion of his career traveling the globe and just interviewing just leaders and managers all over all different cultures, just to, so he could find what those baselines were. And his definition between the two, in my opinion, was just absolutely on point. And he would talk about the fact that a manager what a manager does is he turns a person's strength into performance, right? That's what a manager does. But what a leader does is inspires the masses to a better future. And so when I, when I kind of really dissected that, I realized, well, they can cross over one another. But when you, when you make that split, you start to get pretty clear on the fact that just because somebody's put into a management role, it doesn't mean that they're a born leader. And just because somebody is a leader doesn't mean that they should be a manager. Yeah. Right. And so you get into this weird arena where they're just like, am I supposed to, they're kind of synonymous of each other, but not really. And, yeah. and I realized in that time, the best thing to, I mean, manager is, is a title. It's a title and whether or not they do it well, I believe has to do with whether or not they do what Marcus Buckingham was talking about is, are you finding people's strengths and turning it into performance and a leader is something to where there's no title. There, you're just, this is who you are. People have this propensity to get behind you for yeah. some reason. So the question becomes, 
what is a good leader, right? We're really talking, we're not talking about management today. We're talking about what is a good leader right. uh, and what is a bad leader. And I have always thought that there's three different approaches to leadership. There's, there's, there's A, B, and there's C. And the C is one that almost nobody can do. And it's, it's, it's very rare, r- very rare. And those are the real, those are the real thing. A is the leader who leads through fear. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of leaders, they do that just instinctively because they don't know of a better way. And it mm-hmm. was likely how, how they were led just through fear. And what happens is when somebody leads through uh, fear, then you have all these people who are following you or supposed to be following you. And what they're really trying to do is just stay off your radar. Yeah. Right. But then you have leader B who leads through inspiration, ma- making people want to please them. Right. So the first leader that you want, they make it. So you want to avoid them. The second leader makes it so that now they want you to notice them. They want to get on your radar. And when yeah. you, when you are leading people and they want to be on your radar, you see amazing things happen. And then the C is the leader. C is a, a perfect combination of both Yeah, to where you're able, they want to be on your radar. They, they don't want to upset you, but they also, they don't want to get off your radar. They want you to notice them, but they really don't want to let you down. Like that's when a leader is, you're going to get the absolute best of the people that you're leading in that moment. So you're a rare breed then. Is that what I was doing? Uh, <laughs> was I a jerk? Yeah. I'm thinking So the whole time you're talking, I'm like, okay, ABC, where did, where did skiz fall? When he was my leader, uh, the section leader of drumline in high school, where did, where did skiz fall? And I do remember there being a fear, but I also remember being very inspired and wanting to uh, impress you and get on your radar and, and have you notice me. Mm. But uh, there was also a fear because it was very, a very disciplined thing that we had going on. And I didn't want to let you down. I wanted to, I wanted to get you to be impressed by what I could do. And so looking back at that, not to blow your head up here, (laughs) but I (laughs) honestly, in my take is I feel like you fall in the C category, like as a, as a, as a leader. That's a huge compliment. So yeah, I hope you can make it out the door when we leave. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, I I get what you're saying. So inspiration, I think is, is the biggest part obviously is, is what, you know, over, over fear, I think to be able to inspire somebody to um, get to a level they didn't even think they could get to yeah. like that, that's huge. Right. And just being able to, um, to get them to move in a positive direction when, when they're not ready to, it, it takes just the right words that's going to kind of get under their skin in a good way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's not easy to pull off. Not everybody's capable of that, you know? And you say like, Oh, if we've ever experienced bad leaders, chances are they were just a manager that didn't actually have the innate leadership skills, the ability to communicate very good to that person that they were supposed to be leading. And, and, and again, and I think another part of leadership is understanding your audience, right? Like, not everybody's going to be inspired in the same way. I, right. could, I could deliver an inspirational speech and it might drive, it might hit like two out of five people. What do you do for the other three? You got to figure out what drives them. Everybody's motivated in different ways. And so a true leader would understand what's going to motivate that person. What can I say to inspire that person versus, you know, person B, you know, yeah. and if you can find that and actually get through to everyone, then yeah, you got your leader, your true natural born leader. I like what you said that everybody's different. 
right? You got to know what you're saying uh, to those people. And I think, I, I don't know, man, I, I don't, it's, I, I guess I'm a leader, I guess. Right. And this is great. It, <laughs> Absolutely. It's, well, it's hard to say, it's hard to like, <laughs> yeah, you know, know, say it and it feels yeah. good. The fact that, I mean, cause obviously this is weird. Cause I put you on a, on a one heck of a pedestal. So to hear you say those things is awesome. So it's not like it doesn't feel good or it doesn't, you know, give me a good ego boost. It does all those things, but it's also, I don't know. I think one of the things that might make me a good leader is that I don't, I really don't want to be a leader. I don't want to be one. Mm. Right. And, and so be, and you nailed it where you're saying people feel like they have bad leaders at work because really it's a manager who doesn't have any leadership experience. That's why I started this podcast by saying they're not even, they're barely related between management and leadership, right? But you have these people who are, were good at their job or their task. And so they were elevated up into management positions and they weren't ready for it. They weren't supposed to be in a position of influence. Really what they end up being is more of like a kind of a program manager, you know, you manage the work, find who's good at what and put them in that spot. Right. If you're good at managing logistics, then you can get the pieces to, to fall in place. But to actually like those pieces being people to get them to perform yes, the, and, and be better at their job and things like that and want to do their job. I mean, that's a big piece of it too, is like inspiration will, will change you from just getting by to going above and beyond. Yes, dude. Yes. Right? You're not just trying to check a box at that point, right? right? A leader, a, a manager is going to say, Hey, listen, I need you to do X, right? And, and I need you to, to, to do, do X and, and fill it out. And the leader's going to say, listen, you're, you're going to do X and you, you got it. You're going to do it better than anybody else could. And the reason is because I actually know you can. Mm-hmm. So when you don't do that, if you don't want to do X, that's fine. But you got to tell me now, because you're the person I want doing X, because I know that nobody's going to do it like you. And then that's when they're like, oh, now I have pride in X. Yes. You see what I'm saying? And now, yeah. and, and it, because it gives them like identity and it's not, I'm not trying to, it's not manipulative. It's just the brain has to hear certain things and, you know, and it can, you can see microcosms of proper leadership in this, in this smallest examples. And when I was a CrossFit coach many years ago, there was a lot of moments where these athletes would have a kind of a, on a breakdown, but there's, it's a mental game. CrossFit's a yeah. mental game. And there was this girl who she was in great shape, just an incredible athlete. And she was having a huge brain block when it came to box jumps. And anybody who doesn't know what box jumps are, it's literally a platform you jump up onto, but you both feet have to leave the ground at the same time. It can be scary. It's scary. It's not, it's not a leap, like a leg over leg leap. It's a, it's a jump. Yeah. And, uh, the, she was doing two foot box jumps. Now when you're brand new, it's people start on one foot box jumps because just getting past that part in your brain, it's so weird. Yeah. Well, she just, for some reason lost it. She lost the ability to do the, and this is a mind thing. And I understand what that is. And everybody, everybody was like, egging her on, you got this, you can do this. And she just, she just, she would walk up to the box and then she was freeze, walk up and freeze, walk up and freeze. And I'm watching this unfold and I'm just watching how everybody's just so supportive. You know, the CrossFit community, super supportive and they just want to see her succeed. And I was like, I know what she needs to hear. And, and I went over and I grabbed her by the shoulder and I turned her back to the box and I walked her away from the box and I, and I had her, I put her face into the wall so that nobody, so she was just like, you're by yourself right now. All you hear is my voice. And I said, listen, I've seen you do these box jumps. I know you can do it. I know, I know you, you know, you can do it. And I said, but what's happening is you're waiting until you get up to the box to jump and then you're freaking out. And I said, here's what needs to happen. You're facing the wall right now. You have two options. I said, you can walk out the door and it's okay. Everybody's going to still love you. Come back tomorrow, walk out the door and give up for the day. Or turn around and face that box. But here's the deal. When you turn around and you face that box, your box jump has already started. 
it's already started. There is no turning back. When and I said, so it's your choice. You can walk out the door or you can turn around. But the second you turn around, this is what you're doing. And there's you're not turning back. And she said, I said, no, don't go. When I walk away, you go when it's your time. So I left her. Then I walked away. Everybody thought like she was in timeout. <laughs> like I walk away. They're like, dude, Skiz, what did you say to her? Like she's just facing the wall. the wall. Yeah. Uh, and then she turned around. Oh my God, the fire in her eyes, dude. She turned around. She walked up to the box and she cleared it. But I mean, she jumped it like it was nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then she jumped down and did it again, did it again, did it again. And then she came, gave me a big old hug or whatever and, and thanked me. And I'm like, that's, I had nothing to do with that. That was just entirely you just, just had to hear the right words. Right. So I think when you talk about that, it's knowing what to say, how to say it. I think that is a big, big part of it. Yeah. And that's why I get worried about people who don't know what they're doing when it comes to leadership. <laughs> it's funny because like you're, you obviously are natural born leader. And I was going to say, was there ever a point where you felt uncomfortable being put in a leadership position, but you answered it before I even got a chance to ask, because I'm thinking back of, I've never considered myself a natural leader. But I'm thinking back of times where I have been like put into a leadership role and just how uncomfortable I was with even the mention of me leading something. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I I just have that. You have that. You know, we say imposter syndrome all the time. But I seriously, anytime I'm asked to be a leader in something, I'm like, I don't think I should be like, you know, I don't know if I can do this type thing. That's a lot of pressure being being put in a leadership position is a lot of pressure because you could say the wrong thing yeah. and demotivate, you know, or, or you could lead people the wrong way and everybody's going to be mad at the end yep. of the day that you just, you, you took the wrong direction and they ended up in a place they didn't want to be in. And so it's, it's, it's very scary, but here I am thinking on the other side of this table that somebody like you, who is definitely a natural born leader, would just rot, like want to be a leader all the time. And you're, and you're saying you, you actually don't ever ask for it, never. which is crazy. Yeah. Never. The first time I was, I had, the first time I wanted to be a leader was the drumline stuff, right? When I was very young, like my freshman year in high school, and I was just had a lot of admiration for our leaders then. And I was like, I think I want to do this. Like, I want to lead this drumline, you know? And I, and I enjoyed that stint or whatever. But after then, I was like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really interested in it. And it wasn't, it was, but that's when I realized that's, it is, it, it exposed what a proper leader is because what it did was reveal the fact that the reason I was a good leader is because it was never about me. And that is a big deal. When leaders mm-hmm. make their position, their leadership position about how good they are as a leader or about how uh, high up of a status they are, that you're, you're doing it wrong. This is, you're, you're supposed to, it's supposed to be about the people whom you are leading. And when you make it only about them, that's when really great qualities come out because you make your whole existence about doing everything that's better, that's best for them. And you're not making it about you. When somebody is, making their leadership position about them. You can see it like it's, you can touch it. You know what yeah. it is because the first thing that it, the, they're a joke and everybody knows they're a joke because they puff up their chest and this is, listen, yeah. I'm in charge. I'm running this. And it's like, okay, why do I care? Like this is, you understand the world's a big place. So there's a lot of other possibilities for me. I don't have to be led by you. Make me want to be led by you. Yeah. To me, it screams when people are like that, it almost screams insecurity. Mm -hmm. You know, they Mm -hmm. need that. They need that like position to feel better about themselves, which means they're probably insecure to begin with. So, yeah, anybody that like abuses that that power position, that's what that screams to me. And I think it's apparent, you know, when you when you have somebody that's put in a position to lead you. I'm also wondering if we keep talking about leadership and positions 
can leaders be not in a position like you're not on like the tip of the sword you're not put in some oh. kind of hierarchy you're just amongst your people absolutely and then you but you can still step up and be a leader yeah and, and even using the word step up feels like the wrong thing because now you just you elevated, just yourself. elevated yourself yeah. can you just be peers and still be a leader Right. What are your thoughts on that? I, I absolutely agree. And the, and the phrase step up it actually is um, apropos. And the reason I say that is because it's not about elevating. It's stepping up to the plate. It's mm. saying, listen, this is a scary place. Let me see if I can do it. Right. That's what stepping yeah. up to the plate is. Let me let me go see. if I, And that's what I think the stepping up piece is. And the answer is a resounding yes. You don't need a title to be a leader. It, it, it doesn't not having the title doesn't mean you can be a leader. Having the title doesn't mean you are a leader. You, you do or you do not influence people to follow you into a, a better future. That's, it really just comes down to that. And if you can be in any sort of position and that's why, and I, I try to, I keep, I don't want any, I don't want any more attention at work right now. <laughs> I, I, I don't want it. And, and so I, I turned down a job a while ago and I, I'm doing great things for work, but I'm really, really wanting to do this, what you and I are doing. I, this is where I want yeah. my focus to be. Right. So for that reason, I'm, I'm trying to be very cognizant about work, not becoming a distraction. I want to be value to my company. I want to still bring value and, and, and all that. But I was asked to take a position that was um, a very real leadership position. And here's why it wasn't a managerial spot for the longest time. They I've been asked to move into management. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. This wasn't a managerial spot. This was an actual, this is a position where you're not their manager, but you are leading this entire program. I said, I, I don't, I appreciate that. I don't want to do that. And they were like, what do you mean? You don't want to do it. And it was a big thing. It was a very big yeah. thing. And the guy who was, uh, he runs the whole organization. He's a wonderful dude. He actually said, I've never been told no before. Like this was a moment of pride for him. He did not like this. And I was wow. like, oh, I'm sorry to be the first person. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I said, I'm just not in a place right now to do that. And obviously I'm, I wasn't going to disclose why I wasn't right. in the right place, but it was one of those things where I was like, I just, I don't want my name on the radar right now. And he was like, why, what is going on? And it was a really weird thing because all of a sudden it became about, I, he, he, his, it wasn't like, oh, I got to change your mind. It was, I need to understand what is happening right now. Because what he was really enjoying was people just, follow you. They're happier around you. They want to do better for you. This is a mm -hmm. position that just makes that scope bigger. Yeah. And I was like, I, I do appreciate that. I just, I don't want to do it right now. And it was, <laughs> and I realized, and I said, you know what? And I told him, I said, this could be career suicide. It could, but I just, I suppose I know I'm supposed to say no to this. And I said, but I make this promise to you. I'll do the same thing you're asking me to do. I just don't want the title. You know what I mean? And and he's like, what does that mean? I said, I'm going to do it. I just want to keep the position that you hired me at. I don't want to go up to that position, but I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. I promise you I'll have the same effect on the people, but I don't want the title. Wow. And uh, he was like, okay. Like he didn't buy it. And maybe I could have been more influential, but I find myself doing the same thing. And so now the people I'm working among who are my equals, if you will, I'm not running the program. I'm just one of them. I'm hearing from them. They're like, we, uh, we love having you on this team. They're like, they tell me all the time. They're like this, the way you're able to just keep people in line and the way you're able to always have this great disposition on what we're doing. And we just want to, we just, how do you, how do you do it? How do you organize like this? How do you get people moving in the same direction? So I'm doing it from within, but they're my peers. So that yeah. that's why I say, when you ask me, you have to have that position. I'm like, no, you don't have to have the position. You can do it. I just didn't, I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. I think in some ways, like 
not being on that pedestal or in a hierarchy is is better because so i'm thinking about like right now with hermitcraft we don't have a hierarchy we don't have a leader you know we have a lot of people look to azuma as a leader he would never ever say he is and he doesn't want that title nobody nobody really does on hermitcraft he he takes care of a lot of like the the back end stuff and organizational stuff and things like that and but like when it comes to whenever we meet like there's no official leader and but i find that a lot of times what's happening is when we when we all get together as a group and talk individuals will at times just have that burst of inspiration where like they spread that to the group you know i'm I, there's a lot of us that have have been able to inspire each other when when like uh, some people you know it's 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 a it's a process this whole thing is so you're going to have your ups and downs as we go along with our journeys here as in life and whenever there's downs there's always somebody in the group that finds a way to like recognize that and say the right words to bring somebody back up and i think about a time where because i said I've, I've never really viewed myself as a leader but i i do think of, there was a time when i could have been considered a leader in the group but not on a pedestal and that was like when the pandemic hit so when the pandemic hit as a group we got together and we're like oh my gosh this is big like everybody's stuck at home and this is miserable. People are, are worried, upset. They're losing their loved ones. It's not a great situation. And I remember going to the group and saying, this is our chance to make a difference. Like we're here doing these videos and making content and, and giving entertainment out and, and that people enjoy right now. That is exactly what everybody needs yeah. in this pandemic and this lockdown. And people are looking for an escape. And I said, this is our chance to do our best, give them the most content, the most entertaining, the most like the best way to escape reality. We can do that right now if we all come together and just create the best content we can possibly create. I remember giving that speech to the group and the feedback after that statement was made, like everybody got jazzed. I I, I realized at that moment in time, like, whoa, where I don't know where that came from because I don't consider myself a leader. But I just did that. I just said that. And I just saw the reaction of the group get inspired. And we did it. Like, I feel like we did it. Like, in the in, during the pandemic, the Hermitcraft, we came together as a group and did the best we've ever done. That's awesome. And produced. And I was like, I, I feel good. Yeah. Like, I feel good. Like, I felt like I was actually part of that. You know what I mean? And, and at that point in time, I was like, maybe I do have some leadership qualities. It yeah. just took that moment to to realize, like, it's it doesn't have to be a position. It just needs to be a feeling almost mm-hmm. and and finding the right words and at the right time to inspire a mass like you said and i was like okay i do have something in me it's it's there you know, there's no question that you do there's not the fact that you would question is laughable there's no question that you have leadership capabilities inside you and you and you did this for them and what's funny is if you listen to the story you just told right not only was it not about you it was, it was really about the public's about what the world yeah. needed which is good but the whole story when you, that you just told me in regards to what you were saying to them, it was, we can do this. The world needs us. We've got this. It's, it's up to us. Right. It was never, I, it was never, it was never any of that. Thing. And that's what I'm talking about. That, that is a true leadership thing is the fact that you, you recognize the potential of the masses, which is you got in the masses in this case is Hermitcraft, right? Mm-hmm. You recognize the potential. You, you recognize two things, what the world needed and the fact that you guys could provide it. Right. Not, not that you guys were solving world hunger. I get it, but you guys, you, what the world needed in that moment and the fact that you guys could provide it. 
And then you stepped up to the plate because that's leadership's a, it's a lonely place. It really is. And you stepped up to the plate and you, you got up there and, and you inspired them. And I can guarantee you when you put it in the context of this is where the world is, and this is what we can do. I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that probably all of them, if not at least almost all of them were like, he's right, dude. Impulse is right. We can do this for the mm-hmm. world. And that's inspiring them to a better future. Yeah. That's what the leadership is. And it's and the fact that you felt good about it is it's fine. That's fine. Let <laughs> yourself feel good yeah. about it. But recognize the fact that you didn't do that for you. It wasn't right. to say, oh, this is my time to take a stand. So they all realize, oh, impulse leader, hey, hurrah. That's not what that was. It was just you recognize something, you identified a way to motivate them and inspire the masses. You pulled the trigger, you move forward on it, and you had a positive result. Right. And you also have to be. That's another piece of leadership is you have to be a piece of the fact that you're, you're going to mess up sometimes, yeah. you know, and I've, I've had that in the past too, you know, and that, and we have to be okay with that. In fact, when I first started becoming a leader, what I did was I mimicked what I thought leadership was. I was a, it was the first time I ever took over the drum line. I was a sophomore in high school and I was just taking over for the day because uh, the section leader was gone. And uh, I was like, Oh, I've never been in charge of anything before. Okay. Well, how did I learn brute force? My leaders were jerks. So I'm going to be a jerk and I was a jerk. And I'm gonna tell you this right now. I won't say his name. I can tell you after, cause you'll know who I'm talking about. Actually I will. He was a, a, a really, really cool drummer in a great, in a great band that we used to both, both used to listen to. Uh, you, okay. you know, I'm talking about, you know, who yep. I'm talking about, yep. you know, for a fact, how wonderful that person is. Oh yeah. Okay. This is something I am. I'm in my forties now and I can tell this story with full regret. Because I love that dude. I really do. He was, he was on the drumline for a little bit. I don't even think you, I don't know if you knew that. I don't remember him being on the drumline. Yeah. I don't blame him for not being on the drumline. (laughs) Okay. Cause I didn't rip into him. I didn't cause he was awesome, but we weren't perfect. And I unleashed on these kids and the fear in their eyes was very real. And I was in, 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 I can't even, dude, I'm like almost tearing up because it's, I mean, I was a sophomore in high school. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing what I thought you're supposed to do, which was brute, brute force. And I was, I just laid into him and everybody just went still as a statue. That's what you do. You get still, you focus like, like your military. And, uh, all I realized in that moment, in that moment, I'm like, none of these people want me around. That's not leadership. You know what I mean? And I, and I just, mm-hmm. uh, I changed everything. Like from that day, <laughs> from that day, I was like, I've got, I've got to turn a dial here. It's more than just, so that was one of the pitfalls that I was able to recognize early on. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people. You do get a lot of results when you drive with fear. You do. You don't get the best results, I believe, but you get a lot of results. And I think that some people feel like that's still the only way to do it. Just like the easier way to be a leader. And, and, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would agree with you. Right? I, I would. It's, to it's, be considered a leader anyway. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say it's a great one, but yeah. Well, it typically comes from people. So that's just it, right? When that that is when you have a title, when you're actually, I mean, that's yeah. the fear you hold over them. I control your life. I, I'm not on your level. You know what I mean? I control your life. And so now, and so I think that's why they default to it because they don't know how to inspire. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if maybe, I don't know, maybe not everybody can do it. I really don't know, but I, I, I do believe that anybody who's in a position of influence should at least try, you know, don't, don't make it about you make it about them. Find the right words. There was another trait in there that you mentioned. And that was the, like you really, you recognize in that moment that the way you were leading wasn't right. Mm-hmm. and you changed, right? So the ability to recognize something's not working and pivot and learn from it, right, is how you can grow into being a better leader. Because I don't think, 
I don't think leader leadership skills are always just you're born with them, right? I think you still, even if you are somehow born a natural leader, you still have to learn how to get there. There's no just like I step in for the first time, I'm gonna be perfect. Like like anything in life, there's always a learning curve and a process that you have to go through to go from a rookie leader yeah. to a professional leader, yeah. right? You're not just going to gonna get there. And I think in, in order for that to, journey to even happen, you have to be able to open yourself up to learn, be open-minded, be humbled at points in time to, to where like, if you weren't humble, you would have just continued. You'd have been like, they may hate me. I don't care. Right, right, right. right? Yeah. And you would have just kept going, yep. but you did care. You, you, you cared. You, you wanted to do things the right way and you recognized this isn't quite working and I'm going to change. Yep. And there's, there's that allowing yourself to recognize that you need to change and like going through a change is a humble process. Yeah, it really is. Right? You're absolutely, I, I, you're a hundred percent right. And it was, it was, I had instant humiliation and I had to hide that humiliation. And I remember thinking, I actually remember thinking, yeah, you're not a leader. You're a joke. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I felt like. You're, you're an absolute wow. joke. And it, and it was, it was really humbling because I'm like, well, I'm in charge right now. You know what I mean? I'm actually in charge right now. So I got to get through this practice or whatever it was we were doing at the time. Uh, but coming back to it and being able to do what you just said and learn from it, put me into a space to where I started to hone in on those leadership skills. And then, so you tell me it's category C, which makes me, it does blow my head up. We're going to have to get some butter to get me out the door. <laughs> But uh, it, it also, what it ends up doing is that if you are the perfect letter C leader uh, to where you lead through a perfect balance of fear and inspiration, then what it ends up doing is not only do they want to be better and better and better, but when those moments come along where you do have to use fear and you do have to use directness, the they will follow commands with no question. Do you remember... Do you remember the night practice where like a, a microburst came by, a small tornado came by? Yes, yes. So this was an interesting one because that was like, even though I could be very direct with you guys and everything, now we're fast forward, I'm a senior, you're a sophomore, right? Yep. This is when we first met. And uh, this is, this was crazy. This was a, a storm like we had never seen before, right? And and we don't, we don't live in Tornado Valley, right? right. We don't, we don't have shelters underground and stuff, right? We have no idea what we're dealing with. And what had happened was you remember the whole band was inside and the drumlin was out front yep. and uh, our instructor was yelling at us. And for good reason, we were, we sucked, but the wind was kicking up and we were moving around and stuff. And he was just screaming at us. You stay put. And I'm like, I'm like, we're getting rained on. And I wasn't, I didn't care about us. I cared about the equipment. Right. And now, and then he starts laying to me in front of all of you. And he just like, and this is a long time ago. So a lot of cuss words going on and he's screaming at me and uh, he was right to be upset. We were doing poorly, but I was like, we're going to damage all this equipment. You know what I mean? Like I have to speak up. We have to get inside, you know, and he just starts laying into me and I look over to our left and there's something coming that I've never seen in my life. And, and I've, it was just a black sky and it was closing fast. Yep. And I finally just said his name until he realized there's something else. And I said, look to your right. And he looks to his right because it's our left. He's facing us. <laughs> he looks, he goes, oh my God, grab your drum, go inside. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we all went inside and then we, we all went into the choir room and just to continue. And the whole band was out in the big giant band room, right? Now we were a good band. It was a big, big band. And then the lights went out. Okay. Now the second the lights went out, if you remember this, 
the building was shaking. Yep. And I remember nobody here is familiar with this, including me. I don't know what we're dealing with, but the lights went out. It was as black as putting your palms over your eyes. And uh, I said, everybody put your drums down. And I heard all the drums go. Phew. And I said, everybody turn to your right. We all turned to our right. And I said, Mike, who was on all the way to the right. He was like the right tenor. I, and I said, reach out to the person in front of you. Mike, lead us out. And so we just like a snake. We were able to get out of that pitch black room. Mm-hmm. We get out in the hallway and uh, I, I know I'm telling a long story. I hope that's okay. <laughs> we get out in the hallway and I'm like, I got to go. I got to see the storm, man. And I grabbed the door like an idiot. This should yep. have been in the idiot story. And I opened it a crack and it, it flung out yeah. of my hand. Just I like the, I thought the door was going to fling yes, off the hinges. Yes. Dude. It opened so fast. It I opened this. Bam. And it just, and I'm like, what's going on out there? And then my sunglasses that were hanging on my shirt got sucked off my shirt and went outside and me and the, all my infinite wisdom. Oh, I'm going to go get my sunglasses. And I go running out there and I, and I'm just, you know, the wind is brutal. And I pick up my sunglasses and as I pick them up, I realize the giant tree has been uprooted and it's going <laughs> across the ground in front of me. I'm all, Oh, this is not funny anymore. And I turn around and you, all of you dude are looking at me. Your faces are white. You're inside. You're like, get in here. And I start coming back and it took a lot to get back into that door. And it took like three of us to close the door. Right. So we close the door and then I'm like, Oh my gosh, the band. And I realized this is going to, so we, I, we all run to the band room. I open it and it's just madness, dude, because the, everybody thought the building was about to come down. Mm -hmm. It was so chaotic. It was everybody thought the building was about to come down. And so I'm like, okay, uh, what's this is, this is complete chaos. And our band teacher was a first time teacher yeah, and uh, she was a sweetheart and she was in full panic mode and she had the only flashlight. All I saw was one flashlight whipping around in this dark room, <laughs> big giant dark room with nothing but screaming. And I ran up to her and I, and I grabbed her hand and shined it on my face. So she saw it was me. And I said, do you want me to get control of this? And she gave, she pushed the flashlight in my chest. She said, please. <laughs> and so she gave it to me and it was a, it was a hard journey. And I, and I stood up on a chair and I just started, uh, there was a lot of cussing going on, but I just started yelling at people. First things first, stop talking. Right. So I know you and me, I have a booming voice. Yeah. I'm screaming, I'm screaming, stop, shut up, shut up. And I was just kept doing this thing. And anytime somebody would shut up, I would put the light in their face and I'd be like, and I'd be like, is, is this really a question? Does it sound like I'm making a question? This is not a suggestion. Shut up. And then it got to the point <laughs> to where they started to get quieter and quieter, which made it easier and easier to find the one person talking. So I could put the light on their face and say, not a word. Yeah. And they would all shut up. And then when it be it's like, you could hear a pin drop in there. All you could hear was the building shaking. And I, and they realize, and I, and I go sit down and the whole band goes, it sits. And I said, section leader, stand up. And they stand up. And I was like, I'm going to shine the light on you. Nobody's talking except for who I'm shining the light on. And I do this and I'm like, what's your section? And I told everybody memorize this. And I shine on them. They said it, said it, said it, said it, went around. I said, everybody's going to get up and not say a word. You're going to go to your section. And they went, and somebody started to talk and I lights on them. And I just screamed at them. Now it's all about the fear piece. Do not mess with me right now. This building could come down. I got to figure out what's going on right now and lights on them. And then next thing you know, we get within like 30 seconds. They're all in the right sections. And I said, the only voices we can, we're allowed to hear right now are section leaders. And I said, you have, you have 30 seconds. I don't want to count. And so we did this and we got a count. And next thing we knew we were missing two people in the band. And I was like, this is not good. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? I was like, why are we missing two people? And uh, I was like, so then I got a, assembly of people. I was like, we're not leaving the building. You can only check the building. And I, and so I was like, get you guys have five minutes, go the whole building, stay inside. Tell me if you found them. And it turns out they weren't in the building. And if you remember this, what had happened was about 30 minutes before the storm hit, uh, one person had gotten upset at another person. I'm out of here. 
and they left. I'm walking home. Oh. So they went to walk home. And then when the storm hit, a person realized, dude, they're going to get caught in the storm. I'm going after them. So they jumped into their car and they drove. They picked them up. And that's when all the power lines started coming down. And a power line landed on top of their car, smashed the back seat. Like it was like this. Wow. You can't make this yeah. stuff up. And they were alive. They lived through That's it. Good. You can't make it up. They, so, oh, yeah. It's a fun story. But the fact that like my point, my point being, there's a long story to get to the point that sometimes that when you master the level C, then what ends up happening is when it's time for the anger, if you will, when it's time for the directness, people, even in that moment, really want to do what you're saying as best as they can. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a perfect, it's like the perfect combination on what you actually need to bring the masses to the next stake. That's a fun story. <laughs> that, was, that was the craziest day. Mm -hmm. um, anybody that's, that was in Arizona that day knows, probably knows exactly what day it was because I don't think anything that big has hit since um, just to finish the story. We, after this was all over and the storm had passed, I remember I got picked up because I was so young. I wasn't driving yet, but I got picked up by my my mom or whatever, who was obviously very scared because we basically had to go into lockdown until the storm was over. Yeah. But then when that finally was was through, she came, got me and we were driving back home. And back then everybody had wooden fences. Mm. Uh, and I remember just looking out the car window and being able to look through everyone's backyard yeah. for the first time ever. Yeah. Like all the way across the block, you could just see what everybody's backyard looked like because yep. everyone's fence was blown down. Yeah. It was the craziest thing, but dude, I remember you stepping up and, and um, that was actually probably my first week on drumline. Wow. Was that, that was my first week ever on drumline. So probably like the third practice that we had together. And I was like, Wow, this 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 dude's a leader. I'm going to listen to every word he says, and I'm going to do my best to impress him. And I am not going to step out of line. <laughs> <laughs> so you had me, you had me, and you had the entire band. And that's and you you you've had a, a leadership skill point skill set since that point and probably before. But and you've all the way to today, you still exuberate that in your in your current job. Obviously, if your your boss is asking you to even do more with it, yeah. Um, so really cool, really cool. I was just thinking, like, since you've done so much leadership, uh, t can you talk about a point to to where like you did mess up, and and like do you have a story? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I guess that's no, what that's this is fair. About. Like because I think what happens a lot of times with leadership is there's a misconception out there that like leaders have to be flawless, right? If I'm going to respect somebody, they better be flawless and have a perfect track record, but. At the same time, we were just talking about being vulnerable and being humble and and learning from your mistakes. So I'm I'm wondering, like, when you're a leader and you make a mistake, first of all, if there is that misconception that you have to be perfect, then all of a sudden you got to deal with that. Like people all of a sudden losing trust in you and, and your leadership abilities. What do you do to overcome that? Because I think being able to learn from failure and, and, and move past it is also a big lesson. And I'm just curious if it's ever happened to you. Yeah, I'm of course. Trying to give you some time to think about. Yeah, no, <laughs> think about it there. No, I, I have the perfect example, honestly. When so after all of that, the story we just told, and when I started to realize, I guess people have a subtle propensity to follow me for whatever reason. I started to think it was just something about me, and it's not. It's it's not like oh, oh here comes a person I've never met, and I just oh want to follow them. That's not what that is. So the mistakes I was making was my, my jobs, right? Back then I would have a job and I would just thought, oh, I'm supposed to be a leader. And I just started to do leadership stuff and people weren't following me. And I was confused. 
I'm like, why aren't you following me? Don't you know how many people follow me? Well, they did because I earned it from them. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not something that I have. It's not, you have to, it's something that you, you go get. I might be good at it, but you're not, I'm not just a leader because I walked in the room. Like these were total strangers and they were, I'd be like, well, why don't we break up like this? We'll go over here. And I would just start barking out orders because I was so used to everybody doing exactly what I said. Mm. I'd bark out orders and they'd be like, it's okay, dude, we got this. And it was very embarrassing and it should be. And I, yeah. I remember dissecting that being like, why isn't it not working with this other group of people? And my brain's like, cause you haven't earned it, dude. They have no idea who you are. So that, that was, that was, and so I realized that if I ever am in a position to where I want to re-maintain or, or gain, um, you know, leadership with the masses, you do have to earn it and you earn it mm -hmm. by showing not only just the humility, but reassuring everybody that you want what's best for them right? Giving them real world examples that I definitely, I want what's best for you. And then you don't go get the leadership. Like you, you start to realize when they start to gravitate in your direction and they, they want to hear more about what you have to say, because the last time you spoke to them, it was about them and it was about getting them in a good place. And you realize, okay, well, I got them. You know, now yeah. they know that I care, I actually genuinely care about them. And so now I have a little bit more clout in regards to, well, why don't we do it this way? You know, and, and that's when they start to realize it, but, it, but you can't, <laughs> It's like, how stupid was I? Like, I remember it was actually, you know what it was, dude? It was Jungle Gyms. Yeah. It was, we used to work at a place called Jungle Gyms. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was, and I was just gotten hired there. I'm like, all right, we'll check this out. We'll go, we'll do this. And you guys go check this out. And they're like, what are you, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> in, a, in a place that actually did have like a management structure. Yeah. And they're just like looking at your, well, I think, I think we like the, there was two, two levels of leadership above like just the regular employee. There was like, a shift lead or something like that. I forget what it's yeah. called. And then there was like the manager. Yeah. Right. And so they were probably like, as you're barking orders, looking at your shirt and you're like, that's a green shirt. <laughs> you're the same. And you're... they look down at their shirt. I'm wearing a green shirt. Yes. Why are you telling me what to do? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because it like, it could have been so much better if I was just like, what do you, how do you want to do it? You know what I mean? And yeah. what if I was just like, I know it's kind of a silly job, but wouldn't it be fun if we just did it better than everybody else? So you tell me, what do you think? They be, and they may have been like, I really don't care about doing it better than everybody else. Yeah. Or, or they may have been like, I don't know. And then they make a suggestion. Then you get in their corner. Like there's, it was just so the arrogance coming out of me was just ridiculous, you know? But so I was glad I was able to identify that. And it was really, really embarrassing. And I still remember it to this day, but I, they, when they said, oh, okay, dude, I think we got this. It, it was humiliating and it should have been, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so that's what I mean when I say like, yeah, I definitely have made my share of mistakes. <laughs> I think, I think also with leadership, there's different styles too, like different, you know, we were talking like, Oh, different ways to inspire people, but also different styles. Cause I'm thinking about like, I don't like raise my voice or, or, or put myself in, in like a position, like you were just saying, like day one, I'm trying to like influence people or whatever. I always looked at being a leader as um, by doing like by by I'm just going to do do my job and do it well. And then over the course of that, they'll see that I'm good at this and then have trust in me to then be a leader. Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of like led by example. That yeah. kind of style of leadership is is the way that I've. I've done it like yeah. throughout my life, not just at Jungle Gyms, because yeah. eventually at Jungle Gyms, they did elevate me to that second level. The shift lead? The shift lead. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I literally changed nothing. You know, yeah. I, I'm just like, I, I'm not going to start barking orders because they have me wearing a different colored T-shirt. You know, yeah. well, I'm just going to continue to do my job, do it very, very well. And then hopefully everybody else will, will just be inspired by by 
discipline and and doing the right thing and yeah. just and just follow my suit. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I did it back then. I remember. I like that. I like that. You know, it reminds me because when you lead by example, right, it, which you're you're doing a couple things, you're showing that I'm I'm competent in this and also let us all get on board with the idea of raising the bar. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so so one of the first events I was ever a part of, I wasn't a lead. I was designed to lead a certain piece of it. But one of the first show events I was ever a part of, I wasn't leading the whole event yet, but I was just kind of the new guy. And my job was to design the grand ballroom. Right. That was a couple of different jobs. So one of them was to design the grand ballroom. And I looked at past plans on how they had done it. And I was just like, this is no good. This is no, this is no good because like th- this is, this leaves too much question. So I, I interviewed the past people. I'm like, did you guys run into problems when you showed up? They're like, yeah, we had to improvise everything. We just got an idea of we, all we had was dimensions of the ballroom. And so I was like, what can I do to show all of these people that as an event management team, we're going to, we're going to step up the whole, the whole lot of us. And I'm this brand new guy. So I created a 3d model of the ballroom. I handmade every chair in these, in every table, every piece where the, where the actual uh, AV, uh, the event, the event team booth was going to be this. Everything was, to, was to scale the size, the curtains, the backdrop, everything, the exits, the entrances, everything. So that they could see exactly what we were dealing with to the point to where, when I finally gave my, you know, my presentation to the whole event team, I, shared out my screen and we were able to navigate through this 3d model and everybody was like, what is happening? And <laughs> where did you get this? Did the, did the hotel provide this to you? I was like, no, no, no. I made this so that we could really make better decisions. And the, the executive sponsor was like, okay, is everybody paying attention? Cause it's this, uh, this are up. This is the new bar. He's like, this is how we do everything. If you don't want to do it, get with him, get with Skiz and he'll teach you how to do it. But this is how we do things now. It was like, <laughs> so what ended up happening was I didn't come in with this, like, I'm here to embarrass people. I came in with, I know what this team is capable of and I'll be the first one to show you what it is. And so everybody started adopting it. We started moving in that direction. And now, you know, we're, we're, we're working on this like elevated level of clarity as a team, as a unit that whereas before everybody was just at peace with there being um, a lot of ambiguity going into this very expensive event. I did not like that. I I like the idea that we all need to have the skill set to pivot when things inevitably go wrong, but let's not let them go wrong because our planning sucked. You know what I mean? And if you think it has to be that way, here's an example of of how it doesn't have to be that way, you know, and it just, it brought, it brought the program to another level. Yeah. And how long, how long was it between you were the new guy and you were in charge of the whole thing? Two years. It was two, 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 two two, two events. The the event is once a year. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So I was the new guy one year. I was part of it the next year. And when they asked me to come back uh, to do that role, I said, I'll come back, but I get to bring somebody. Because I was, you guys, that was a lot you asked of me. And so they said, bring whoever you want. So I brought a buddy of ours. Mm-hmm. And then it was the next year they were like, hey, you want to, we want you to lead this whole thing. And then I was like, oh, I have my dream job. And then COVID hit and it canceled. And everything. then there's no events. <laughs> there's yeah. no events. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Cause uh, I was looking forward. You, you brought me on the, the third one in. Yeah. And I was going to, to do like what you had done the year before. That's right. I was super nervous about it. Yeah. You, you were thrusting me into a leadership role. And I was super nervous about it. And I'm still to this day curious what would have happened had that event gone through. I'll tell you exactly what happened. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. It's the reason I brought you in. First of all, now, as of that moment, it was my event. I was the one running the entire thing. So everybody I was putting on the team was in their spot for a reason, right? And the reason I brought you in to do what basically the job I was doing 
was because I didn't think you were going to do as well as I did it. I knew for a fact you were going to raise the bar even higher. I knew you were going to. And for a couple of reasons. One, you have you have uh, incredible ownership as it is. And then this is, don't, I mean, don't go too deep in this, but you, you're just legitimately smarter than me. You are. The, the things that you understand from a technical level far supersede me, far supersede. Now, I, I can take some solace in the fact that you actually are way above average in regards to understanding that. So it's not like I'm an idiot, but I was really good at it, but I was, I knew like as good as I am, he's going to be twice as good and he's going to elevate this program even more. And then on top of all of that, I knew you were going to love it and you were going to be so proud of it because I knew when you walked into the, into the grand ballroom and you saw the backdrop, you saw all the animations that you drove, you saw all the stuff that you made happen, that you drove, that your vision became a thing you were going to be, you're going to look at them and be like, look what I did because it really feels good. Like it does when you design that, when something you're designed, it's like, it's like, it's this podcast. You know what I mean? When, when I'm done editing, I'm like, look at this, look what we did. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's the same thing there. You'd be like, look what I designed and it came to fruition. Like, this is amazing. I knew you were going to love it. I knew you're going to be great at it. That's what would have happened. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I was nervous about it. Thanks, I'll tell COVID. you that. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I was, I was super nervous about it because I was like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, yeah. and so the whole time I was like, if this goes through, am I going to actually succeed? Yeah. <laughs> and I never got to find out because stupid. Never got to me. find out. Dude. <laughs> That's what's funny is that I'd even uh, said at one point, because you you said to me, you said, dude, I can't feel your shoes on this. And I was like, yeah, yes, you can, dude. Trust me. I'll be there right there the whole time. But you're going to crush it, too, because what I knew was going to happen was a lot of the backdrops that I designed. The backdrops is just 10 percent of this whole thing. But a lot of the backdrops I designed was designed to uh, be a pleasing aesthetic, provide some depth. And then they, you know, this is very professionally filmed and it's shown later on a big forum. So I had to make sure that that fits and whatever. I was like, you're going to, you're going to end up coming up with something that I never would have thought of. And what I actually thought you're going to end up doing was 3d projection, which is something I started to look into, but it's very expensive and it's very, very complicated. You are going to likely within a year or two, find a way to do that on a budget because 3d projection is something that is so awe inspiring that when used properly, it supplements what's happening on such a colossal level that people it imprints on their minds. They will never forget it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I wanted to do it. But when I, more I looked into it, I'm like, this is so over my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, we, we need, yeah, you know, I like geeking out about that stuff. Yes. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have been fun. Oh, didn't happen. Um, yeah, but it's fun to think of what could have. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me sad. It's just, I, the only reason I brought that up was because I, I, I was being put in a leadership position and I felt uncomfortable Right. I, I felt like I, I wasn't uh, prepared. I felt imposter syndrome. I felt all these things. And yet you still had 100 percent faith that I was going to do just fine and knock it out of the park. And so maybe the message there is like you can still be uncomfortable as a leader. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's absolutely. and that's normal. It is normal. And it actually you kind of should feel uncomfortable Yeah, because when you recognize the job of a leader is there's people who have chosen. That's the difference, man. Management, they are put under you. Leadership, they've chosen to get behind you. And when people have done that, they're putting their faith in you. They're putting their faith in your ability to bring them to a better tomorrow. And when leaders are in positions whom shouldn't be there, they lead those people off a cliff. And it's, it's sad, right? But when these people have chosen to be led by you, then you find yourself in a position to where, boy, you as much as they think they don't want to fail me, oh man, I don't want to fail them. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you just make it about them. You make it about that whole thing. And so you're right. You should have been uncomfortable because you, you were in turn, you were going to have your own team to lead. It yeah. wasn't just you doing this. You had a whole team of people yeah. to lead. Right. And so I just, I mean, I, I've always had a resounding faith in you. I know 
I all my money bet you would have just absolutely knocked out of the park. But more than anything, I wouldn't have brought you in if I didn't, if I wasn't so sure that you uh, were going to love it. I knew you were going to love it. You know, and it, like I knew, I, I was yeah. very confident that once it came to, it was going to be a lot of work. But once we showed up, because these were not mom and pop hotels, no. these were top shelf, you yeah. know? And so you go in there and, and you would see how this hotel was going to treat you and they're going to give you anything you want, whatever you need, you just let us know. And you'd realize, okay, so now all of a sudden I have this like power, you know, and okay, <laughs> I want to be responsible with that too, but I really want to do well. You just, you would have loved the whole experience. Yeah. At the very least, it was one more thing that you and I got to do together yeah. and work on together. Cause we were always looking for ways for you and I to work together in this company. Yeah. <laughs> and this was something we finally got a chance to do or get started on anyway before yeah. it went upside down. But, uh. um, that's yeah that's that's our lives like we we're always looking for ways to do more stuff together like this podcast and the Imp and Skiz channel and even at that job yeah throughout our whole lives yeah. we're always trying to figure out ways to, to work together because we know what happens when we do <laughs> it's magic man magic it's magic just like this podcast has totally been a magical experience yeah at it least has. for us I'm happy. Hey, man. <laughs> at least for us like i I enjoy this every time we get together every week we get together and I'm like, I look forward to it. Like I start setting up all the microphones and stuff and I just start getting jazzed. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to like sit down and just have a conversation with yeah. you and just hang out. And you know what is that? I am um, actually reading probably almost every comment now. It's after, that, after, yeah. after that podcast where we talked about how I'm the one that reads all the yeah. comments and you read barely any. Yeah. Now you found yourself at least with the podcast reading through every, yeah. every comment. And there's a lot of them and there's a lot of them. And, and I just, I, I can't even tell you there's, I don't know. It's hard to say like, Oh, look at all these people's lives we're touching and blah, blah. I don't want to say that. I don't know why I don't want to say that. I, I don't know. I, all I know is that I, people are, I'm just, they're turning their lives around or they're, they're pulling triggers or doing great things. And sometimes they're just laughing. I mean, whatever. We're just creating a really positive vibe. And that just makes me feel like a million dollars. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah. That's all we wanted to do. Um, and, and if somehow we're impacting people's lives in, in a way that we never would have thought this podcast would have done. And that's just gravy. I yeah. mean, uh, it's, it's so awesome to hear. And I, I feel like we're creating a little bit of a community as well. I do want to mention though, like you just said, you read all the comments that, you know, I read all the comments. Yeah. Don't, we don't really reply to a lot of comments. Yeah, so, I know. Exactly. So like, yeah. If people are like, are wondering, yeah, we read them. We just don't always have the time to reply. Right. So sometimes I'll, I'll reply, but, and the other thing that's funny is because it's like a shared channel is when we reply, it's a reply from imp and skiz, but it typically it's one of us. Right. It's actually replying. And so. sometimes I'm logged in with, on one of my other accounts, whether it's my MC Skizzleman or my Skizzleman live. And then now that's coming across. And yeah. so I, that, that was a good thing to bring up because I just want the people to know who are leaving comments that are very vulnerable comments and heartfelt. It's not just dissipating into the ether. Yeah, we what, see you. Yeah, yeah, we see you. We, we'll we, look at the camera. We see right you. Now. <laughs> I keep doing that. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, and as we look at the the camera, we have a, a timer that says that we've somehow turned what I thought would be a good fifteen minute conversation, maybe, into almost an hour again. So well, I did tell like a thirty five minute story. That's so. true. <laughs> that's true. That was a fun story, though. Hopefully, <laughs> but I guess that's a good, a good point to wrap up this podcast for today. It is. So, so okay, another fun one. Well, another good one, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. That's not tomorrow. Well, I'll see you eventually. We'll just say it. I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to hang out. All right. See you guys. (laughs)